hour number three underway. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. The phone number is 704-570-1110. Also 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. The Twitter handle is at Pete Callender, and that is Callender with a K, K-A-L-I-N-E-R. And uh, I do try to follow everybody back on the Twitter machine. Uh, I did get a couple of tweets here regarding the um, the last hour's topic on China. Uh, not to rehash it, but uh, Pete, I worked for Swift Denim years ago as a network admin, eventually bought by Gailey and Lord. We did denim. They did twill and corduroy. Both went bankrupt eventually. A competitor of ours, Cone Mills, was 60% done with a new plant in China. And the government came along told them they had to move the plant because they were going to put a railroad right through where the plant was. That is one of, yeah, it's one of the things about working in a commie country. They're all about taking stuff. It's kind of the deal with communism, taking your stuff. Uh, all right, let me, uh, let me shift gears here and go to um, the Charlotte City Council. This was a topic about the council Uh, meeting on Monday night that I did not get to yesterday, which is Mecklenburg County District Attorney Spencer Merriweather is now requesting the assistance of the State Bureau of Investigations to look into Councilman James Smudgy Mitchell's legal right to serve. Smudgy is his uh, nickname, but it's spelled Smuggy, S-M-U-G-G-I-E, but it's pronounced Smudgy. Anyway, this is due to his business dealings with Bright Hope Construction, LLC. That is the parent company of a construction firm, R.J. Leeper. R.J. Leeper, I believe founded by Ron Leeper, former city councilman himself. Fox 46 reporting or Queen City News reporting uh, by Emma Withrow that the DA's office provided uh, uh, the following statement to Queen City News on Monday. Quote, Upon Councilmember James Mitchell being administered the oath of public office, I have asked for the assistance of the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation to determine whether the status of Mr. Mitchell's ownership stake in a firm that has a contractual relationship with the city of Charlotte can be confirmed and whether that purported business arrangement is inconsistent with general statute. And then it lists it. As with any criminal inquiry, a request for an investigation is not, in and of itself, a confirmation of the existence of criminal wrongdoing. In the meantime, we will not comment further while we await findings from the SBI. Uh, which is good, because if we were going to try to get a, uh, a comment from CMPD about this, uh, we would uh, probably not uh, get any. Um, Smudgy Mitchell was previously accused of using his seat on the council for personal gain when the North Carolina GOP filed an ethics complaint against him back in 2020. Mitchell was on city council, resigned in order to become the CEO of R.J. Leeper. This was way back in January of 2021. He then took a 25% ownership stake in R.J. Leeper's parent company. But then he stepped down as the CEO. And according to him, he has apparently told media outlets repeatedly that he still has that 25% ownership. Now, I don't know if it's going to matter if it's an ownership stake in the parent company of R.J. Leeper, and if R.J. Leeper gets the contracts, then 
well, that's enough daylight between the two. Or if this is still a problem, I would think that 25% ownership of the parent company is actually worse, right? It's actually worse because it means you own more of a stake in the the sub, right? In the owned company because the the owned company is owned by the parent company. So you would ostensibly own 100% of the of the sub company. Anyway, he returned to city politics, did not give up his 25% ownership stake. He rewon his old at-large seat, and then he got sworn in. State law, though, says that a city council member cannot own more than 10% of a company that does business with the city. Mitchell has told Queen City News numerous times that he owns 25% of the parent company. R.J. Leeper does a lot of contract work with the city of Charlotte because it's a minority-owned firm. And especially with the big contracts um, and in specific areas of work, there are very few minority or women-owned businesses. And the city... They have a policy. They actually just got a big uh, disparity study update uh, the other night, on Monday night, on this very matter. How are we doing in uh, contracted services with minority and women-owned businesses? And um, companies like R.J. Leeper and others, uh, they get like uh, uh, Gantt Architecture, Harvey Gantt, former mayor, his architectural firm. They get contracts with a lot of governments because it's a minority-owned firm and they can do the work, and so because so it gives them a bit of a leg up, right? Because they get to say, "Oh, we we get you know a service provider here, or you know a, a, a an architect in in Gantt's case, or in uh, Leaper's case, it's a, a construction firm. We get their service, and we get to you know give business to a you know historically disenfranchised uh, business." But the state law is pretty clear about this. I think the question is going to be, can he own the 25% of the parent company and that doesn't translate into any ethical breach because it's a sub company? I don't know what you know, it's a, it, I don't know what you would call it under the terms here, but it's a, it's a, it's a smaller company of the parent company. Is it a child company? Would you call it a kid company? Queen City News reached out to Smudgy Mitchell, asked if he had a response or comment to the DA statement. And he said, quote, I don't. (laughs) Um, Charlotte Observer says the specter of criminal penalties over Mitchell's uh, ownership most recently was raised prior to him even being sworn into office in a memo from the city attorney, Patrick Baker. In the August 30th memo sent to council members and staff, Baker said that he had received inquiries from a number of you about ownership related conflicts. Baker said the criminal penalties would apply to Mitchell rather than city government at large. After the memo's release, Mitchell said he was excited to be sworn in and expected a clarification from Baker. But Baker's like, I'm not giving you any clarification. This is not, my, this is not for me to do. Um, Mitchell said, I remain focused on upholding my oath to those that elected me and will allow my legal team to handle the matter in proper form uh, as I want nothing more than for this to be behind me. So, like... You got a couple of paths to go here, right? Number one is you could just say, I give up my ownership. Uh, Or number two, the city just doesn't do any more contracts with R.J. Leeper. But there was a dispute between him and Leeper. He ended up getting the ownership stake. 
But you'll recall that he he doesn't have the job anymore. He apparently, uh, the dispute that he had with the company is tied to a massive loan, $375,000 that he got from the company that it demanded he pay back in December. Like, I have no idea what's going on here. I have no idea what this is about. But it took a bit of a turn. Emma Withrow, back to Queen City News, she found out that uh, the mayor's son also works for R.J. Leeper. It just got interesting. This is a long-distance dedication to James Smudgy Mitchell. Just keep running, man. Keep on running. As long as you are able. All right. News Talk 1110-993-WBT-704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Let's go to the phone lines. Here's John. Hello, John. Welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I, sure. I just wanted to tell you a little bit of history on this minority contracting. This started in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And what the city said is that we want to award contracts to the minority community. Correct. But the minority community said we don't have the firms that can do the contracting if we get the contract. Right. We don't have the personnel and whatnot. Well, they didn't have so the, the they did not have the well, generational wealth. Well, they, yeah, they did not have the it out. So Harvey Gantt would get a contract and then he goes to a big architecture firm. He did this repeatedly. He'd go to a big architectural firm and say, hey, I got this contract. You get 90%, just cut me 10% off the top and put your people to work. Yeah, I I don't know that. I don't know that to be true. uh I said, I don't know that to be true. Well, I I know. It's just just another uh, caller. And I mean, no, no. I'm asking. How, so, John, how do you know that's true? Is do you have any kind of personal knowledge that that occurred? Yes. So, were you at a firm or something? Over the news, if, if, if people knew about it. They talked about it. Oh well, that's what I'm asking. How do you know that? Because, like, I don't know if you're aware. I like I I used to cover the city contracts and the news and such 20 years ago, and so right. I would I I feel like I would have probably heard about something like that. Well, it was, believe me, I'm, I'm told, and I knew some of the larger firms that took this business. Okay, so you're saying and that... I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty obviously what Lepper is doing with the mayor's son on his owner, ownership committee, and, and then this fellow you're talking about. Yes, I mean, uh, Mitchell. Well, this and look, and there is a sentiment that exists in uh, not just uh, the city of Charlotte, but in all levels of government, which is that, hey, you know what? This is how it's done. This is like you guys used to do this when you were in charge, whatever the you guys uh, group is. Uh, and now it's our turn. We're, we're doing the same thing y'all have done. I'm not so sure that's uh, that, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that sentiment exists. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I, like I said, I, I did not hear about the subbing out of the, uh, uh, or the subleasing of the contracts. John, I appreciate the call, though. I, I've not, I never heard that about Harvey Gantt. I mean, he's an architect. He was the mayor, uh, and like, and, but he did get a lot of the contracts because he is a minority owned firm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Same thing with R.J. Leeper, who apparently also employs the mayor's son, a fellow by the name of Kwame Alexander, because it was Vi Alexander, uh, and uh, I guess that she remarried or something, and at Vi Lyles. Uh, anyway, so, or maybe that's her maiden name, I don't know. Um, but she was always Vi Alexander when I was uh, a reporter covering city. She worked for the city uh, in the management office, assistant city manager and, and such. Um so I always knew her as Via Alexander. She uh, either got married or divorced or whatever it was after I was uh, out of Charlotte. Um, but her son, Kwame Alexander, works for the same company that is now at the focus of the Mitchell story. And Emma Withrow asked Vi Lyles, the mayor, about this saying, uh, Esther, your son works for R.J. Leeper. Do you find that as a conflict of interest in any way? And she said, my son is on my application for their ethics program. Okay, so who's their ethics program? Is that the, the company's ethics program? Is that a file that's submitted to the city? Is that the document? Like, is that how that works? You have an ethics form or something that the company fills out, and then it goes on file with the city? I'm unclear. Um but she goes on to say, I had it cleared with the city attorney's office. Every council member has the opportunity to talk with the city attorney as you fill out and complete your ethics form. Please go to his office or the clerk's office and look at those forms. I think that's the best way to approach it. Well, I mean, simply disclosing it now. All right. So I will point out, though, it's a little different with the mayor than city council, only for the fact that the mayor doesn't vote. It's a weak mayor system. But, you know... It's all in the Democrat family here. <laughs> so like, this, is the, you know, this is the base of power. There's also a little bit of a timing thing. I'll get to that in a minute. <music> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. And 1-800-WBT-1110, we are discussing the uh, the potential illegality or conflicts of interest that apparently now two city officials have with a construction firm, R.J. Leeper. Uh, one is Councilman James Mitchell, whose uh, relationship with this firm uh, has been a point of conflict, shall we say, for now, what, two years and the Mecklenburg District Attorney has asked the State Board of Investigation to determine whether his ownership stake in the firm that has a contractual relationship with the city of Charlotte, uh, whether that uh, is inconsistent with state law. In other words, illegal. Um, and then we find out from Queen City News that the mayor's son also works for the company. Oh, and was recently promoted to serve as the vice president of construction. And the timing, he was promoted to VP of construction this past July, the same month as the city council elections. I'm sure it's just coincidental. Let me go over here. This is uh, John number two. Hello, John. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Pete? How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. What's up? Hey, uh... Just listening in, um, in my experience, I've spent probably about 15 years at a uh, major sign company in Charlotte. And in order for us to even be considered for any contracts for, let's say, 
at Ballpark downtown or right. football stadium downtown or any major project with uh, Barton Mallow, Rogers Builders, R.J. Leaper. The problem is, is, well, I say the challenge is, is that you have to fill out a points paper, basically, whereas you don't even get considered for the contract unless you're a minority or majority minority-owned company. So, I mean, it was common practice for us just to put the bid together, call somebody, run it through them, shave them 10% off the top, and get the contract. I mean, that's, I that's, see. that's common practice. It's done every day. I could probably, gotcha. And the, re- the reason why is because if you're not a minority-owned company, see, these guys get so many local, state, and federal tax breaks and incentives that they can't afford not to go with minority companies. So you have to, in order to get the contract, you have to do it under the rug and present yourself as a minority company. I, I Okay, I got you. So it's not, all right, so that's the thing I wasn't understanding because it would seem like a misrepresentation if, say, a company A, minority-owned, would go and win the contract and then turn around and pawn it off to somebody else. But what you're saying is you would put the bid together you would then present it to them, and they would ostensibly then sub out the work, but knowing that you were already contract, you were already on board to do the work. That's exactly. How I got it you. Works. Interesting. And so uh, there are certain categories where there are minority-owned businesses that can quote do the work, um, and I, 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 I'm not sure I caught. What general area, you don't have to tell me the company, obviously, but uh, is there a general area that you said you worked in, in industry? Signage. Signage. Okay, I wasn't clear. So, right, so which would be a big part of any kind of major project, makes sense. Um, And you would run these things through various minority-owned or women-owned businesses in order to uh, help them secure the contracts, and you would just give them a cut of it. That is exactly how it works. Every day. Interesting. John, thank you. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. All right, man. You too. Uh, no, that's, and that's what I was trying to get at like th- with the John, the caller prior to John. So John number one. Why do I feel like I'm in some sort of like an undercover sting operation now? Like some... <laughs> I got John number one. And I got John number two. Um, no, so like I wasn't clear on what the... He said this process. The first John was talking about, it didn't make sense to me and I had not heard any of that. Now what John number two is saying... That makes sense. I appreciate both calls. I appreciate both Johns. Um, maybe something that some investigative journalists, if there are any in town, could track that down. Just want to point out, I'm not a journalist. Just a talk show host. I'm just a little old radio host. I used to be a journalist. I'm not anymore. So, and, and by the way, there were, it was really weird. When I was in Asheville and somebody came, uh, came at me one day on the radio and they were yelling at me like, oh, you journalist, whatever. And I was like, I, I'm not a journalist. I, I point that out because... I, I apply a lot of the same standards, right? Which is why, like, I, you know, when first John calls in and I, I have questions, I want to ask about them because I don't know and I recognize, you know, they're on the radio saying things and I want to make sure that we can kind of suss out is this believable or not. Um, but I'm not in a position on air to fact check and track something down immediately. So I always point that out. But in, I remember there were. This guy came at me one day. Is like, oh, you're not a journalist, Pete. Not a journalist. And he kept saying it as if it was a, as if it was an indictment or a slur against me. Like, oh, there's Pete, not a receptionist, you know, not a flight attendant, not a pilot. I, I'm not any of those things. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not. I don't know why. I mean, there's a the things I am not out 
number the things I am. I mean, you can just, if you're applying titles in an attempt to denigrate, I don't know. We're going to be here a while. Anyway, um, the mayor says, go look at the forms. And uh, the forms say, you know, I guess that I disclosed it. And apparently the city attorney, Patrick Baker, said it was his opinion that Mayor Lyles' son and his role at R.J. Leeper is not a conflict of interest for her. And she can continue to vote on city contracts for R.J. Leeper. But I'm not sure the mayor gets a vote. Unless they change that. I mean, I have been gone for a little while. So did they change that? I don't believe they have. The mayor doesn't get a vote unless it's to break a tie. And I don't know how many of those would come up, how many ties you would actually have. Um, But it has been disclosed. Also, I saw this. And this is just interesting to me. I don't know what it portends. Don't know what it indicates or means. But they... They announced the formation of their city council committees, right? So all the city council, they break out into their little subgroups. You know, they always had economic development and that sort of thing, which, by the way, that was always the committee people wanted to be on because that's where the developer money was. If you're sitting on that committee, you get to meet the developers and they get to fund your campaign. So a lot of people wanted to be on the uh, economic development committee. Anyway, uh, they just reordered, they restructured their committees, the Safe Communities and Great Neighborhoods Committee. Sorry, the safe communities and the great neighborhoods committees, they got combined into one committee called Housing, Safety, and Community, the Budget and Governance Committee, and the Intergovernmental Relations Committee. They got combined into one, the Budget, Governance, and Intergovernmental Relations Committee. The Economic Development Committee is now the Jobs and Economic Development Committee. By the way, the chairman of that is Malcolm Graham. And the Transportation and Planning Committee is now the Transportation, comma, Planning and Development Committee. (laughs) All right. So they went from, I don't know, what is that, six down to four. What I found most interesting here is that the new mayor pro tem, Braxton Winston, is not on a single one of them. So remember, he was not the top votainer. In the at-large race, he did not get the most amount of votes, but he still got named to be the mayor pro tem. And apparently, you don't have to serve on a committee if you're mayor pro tem because he's got so much other things to do in the largely ceremonial position. In case the mayor's not there, he's got lots of ribbons to cut. <laughs> really? So you so you 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 stiff arm Dimple Ashmira, the top votainer in the election. You stiff arm her. You keep her from getting the spot, and then you somehow or another, I guess this is the consensus building that he was so good at, and that's why he got the mayor pro tem nod, even though he didn't get the most amount of votes in the election. So he gets the seat, and then he gets everybody to agree not to put him on any committee so he doesn't have to work. Is that the idea? What am I missing? Talk 1110-993 WBT. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm looking at a uh, somebody forwarded me. Thank you very much. And uh, somebody uh, and forwarded me this uh, message that uh, was sent over to the uh, city. Why is Smudgy Mitchell allowed 
to be on council when he owns 25% of the company that does business with the city. I understand the rile to be 10% or the rule to be 10% or less. Uh, there is a conflict of interest which can lead to dirty politics. Need I mention Patrick Cannon? And uh, the response from the city's mayor and council support specialist says, per the story on WSOC's website today, <clears throat> the city attorney is quoted as saying, quote, I am not aware of any legal authority that would prevent the incoming council member from being sworn in at next week's ceremony. It is up to the council member to determine whether taking the oath could potentially subject him to the criminal penalty. The city would not be a party to such an action. And so uh, I get that. Let me see here. There's another response. Um, Does the city attorney know the rules set down by council on conflict of interest? Smudgy quit his council seat several years ago because of this conflict. Now it's being ignored. Why? Yeah, so I think what the city manager is saying is like, or the city attorney rather is saying is that's that's up to the councilman because the only one in jeopardy for any kind of criminal liability is the councilman, Mitchell. And so that's going through his attorneys. Now, I was listening to the the morning show the other day and Brett Jensen was on with Bo and Beth and uh, he said that uh, it's his understanding that it could actually there's a question as to whether or not it could jeopardize every single vote that the council has taken. If it turns out that he was not supposed to have been seated, then every vote would be nullified. They'd have to go back and re-vote on everything else, in which case then you like the first vote would be what? The mayor pro tem vote. Right, we get to have that one all over again. And now maybe, because it was Smudgy Mitchell that made the motion for Braxton Winston to be the mayor pro tem. And so now I would wonder, were the votes there to begin with? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. This, yeah, I've, I have never seen anything like this when I covered council for a decade. I, there was never anything like this. And this is, is part of the problem when you start busting up the norms, Right. You start going down these paths and you don't know what's allowed, what's not, and a lot of outstanding questions throw stuff in jeopardy. Anyway, um, there's another story here. WBTV's Brandon Hamilton sat down with the mayor and um, asked about violent crime and homicides, affordable housing, and uh, she said, this is one of the most difficult idea, uh, sorry, difficult issues that we are experiencing now, this idea around violence. It's an idea. The violence is an idea. It's like Antifa. It's just an idea, folks. And so, uh, but it is, uh, it's a growing concern. She addressed the growing concern, the growing idea of violence. And uh, Brandon Hamilton says, what would you tell that teen who thinks violence is the answer? And the mayor says, think again. No, I'm kidding. That's the... That's the big billboard campaign they're running. But why not? She should have said, think again. That's how you know the message hasn't broken through. It's just a terrible marketing deal. Anyway, she says, I say to that teen that's contemplating violence, violence makes you angrier. Violence is a way of expressing something that's very negative, and you don't have to be that. Are, are we aware of this message? Why hasn't this been said before? Holy smokes, this we should spread that message all around America. And that would that would just eliminate the violent crime problem. Who why hasn't anybody thought of this before? 
She says it's more distressing than anybody could imagine watching you on the news and describing these events. It just devastates me. But at the same time, what can we do about it? We're investing in our community. We know that a lot of this is about the violence that comes from a relationship issue. So how do we impact this relationship? How do we make sure that we have people that don't know how to deal with conflict learn to deal with conflict? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I guess we could... I keep coming back to this answer. Maybe we just need to take all of the kids and put them into, you know, individual government-run cells. Right? For, like, age, like, six months. And just this way, nobody can attack anybody else. Just isolation. COVID was a test run. Okay. We'll see you tomorrow. Brett Winnable's next. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>